is huge. I mean, it's like a man. It, it's big. Kane, son. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study. Not to bring back. But to wipe them out. That's the plan. You have my word on it. All right, I'm in. Let's rock! Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Patrick Green, Christian Motzka, Andy Geek Girl, Harry Chicos, and Maj. And Xander, who's waiting, and who's Zander. waiting, who's who's sitting in our chat room right now. Wait, Welcome lurking in the chat room, waiting and, and <laughs> hiding, in the darkness. Peeking. hiding in the walls. <laughs> this is our holiday episode. Uh, so we thought it would be great to have a round table and get back together and talk about uh, some exciting things, some news. But we have a, a main uh, a topic that, uh, of discussion for tonight, but I'm going to hand it over to Patrick to kind of set us up. Oh, I'm going to set it up. And before I do, I'm going to shout out some patrons because you know how we roll here at Perfect Organism. We got uh, a couple new ones towards the end of November. I'm still waiting. Uh, Juliana Margeson. I, I I don't know if it's Margeson or Margeson, and I've uh, been hedging my bets on this for like three episodes now. Please let me know if I'm saying your name wrong. Uh, and after you, we have Aaron Williams and Bex Lewis, who just joined uh, right after Thanksgiving here in the States. So uh, welcome to our new patrons. If you'd like to join them, it's patreon.com slash perfect organism. Go to perfectorganism.com slash support or just type into Google Patreon perfect organism. Lots of new stuff coming out. We're about to cover the newest arc of the Marvel comics that have been released in trade paperback form, uh, Alien Thaw. Very excited to talk about that. We have some more film coverage coming out. We're releasing a lot of new episodes. We have some Blade Runner content. So there's a lot of stuff for everyone. And uh, we hope you also just enjoyed the Mario Benvenuto interview that just went up uh, as we're recording this earlier today. I know uh, my kids are very much, they want to create an alien escape room in the basement now. And we watched all his videos about it. And I think we're not going to be able to do it, but um, I would like to. So yeah, lots to talk about today. And I guess to get back to the conversation. So uh, speaking about patrons, one of our patrons, whose name is Natalia Carrera, sent a wonderful email to us back in September, uh, thanking us for the podcast, saying that she's been a fan of the Alien franchise since childhood. I can relate. And uh, she says, uh, as an alien and not aliens person, I often wonder about the different directions the franchise could have taken if the Cameron film hadn't happened. The first movie leaves so much to the imagination. Therefore, I would like to propose this discussion. What would an interesting pitch be for an Alien 2 movie, considering only the first movie's theatrical release as canon? So uh, we're going to get into that tonight a little bit. We're also going to talk somewhat about what if Alien 3 hadn't happened the way that we got it. So if Aliens had happened, but Alien 3 had not happened, and how things could look different. So we're going to talk about some of the canonical implications. We're going to talk about some of our ideas the story could have gone in. And we're going to talk about how different fandom would look had these two enormous movies, but especially Aliens, never happened. So uh, I guess we'll kind of go from there. Shit. Confirm crosswalk and drop station secured. Affirmative. All drop stations secured. 
Before we get into the larger discussion, there has been quite a bit of news, uh, casting news. Timothy Oliphant has been cast. Another uh, man has been cast. His name does not pop up to me right now. I can't remember. He was. More, I think he's probably more of a, what's his name? His name is David Riesdahl. And David Riesdahl. I, I, I'm watching the current season of Fargo and uh, loving it, including episode three, Xander. I know we, we have to talk about that. And uh, David Riesdahl is like one of the main actors in it. So I went from not having ever heard his name before to like watching him for five hours in a row since we last recorded that news episode. He's really good. Mm. And he was also and, uh, in, uh, oh, sorry, he was also, I think, in Once, a Time, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood too. And uh, on top of that, we have confirmation of some stuff that we reported on. Again, Patrick and I discussed this briefly in our like a 22 minute uh, chat that we had the other day. The confirmation is Romulus is set between Alien and Aliens. And uh, we know that the film starts on a planet and goes to a space station, which is interesting. So I'm interested what people think about this. Certainly the the official confirmation of the placement of this film. So uh, I think that's about it. Patrick, Christian, I'm not really sure if there's more. If there's more uh, news bits, news items. I just wanted to say I wasn't able to join you guys the other day. Um, the strange names from the Holly series are all being pulled from Peter Pan, from the original novel. They're they're members of the Lost Boys, so slightly or something like that. Uh, Oodles. Yeah, and so I mean, it, it, at least it's coming from a source, but that doesn't give me any confidence that the, those are either the real names or that they're appropriate names. Uh, if they were all coming from a Joseph Conrad novel, then we could say, yes, all right, we understand this. This is a longstanding tradition. Um, but they're absurd names, but they at least all, um, they come from a certain place. And because those characters have somewhat elaborate backstories, including how their lives play out, it is possible that that's what Holly is playing with. You know, one character stops being a kid and grows up to be a lawyer. Another kid grows up to be, I think, a, a sea captain or something. So those things could actually inform who the characters are, even if the names don't stick later on. I don't think those names are official. I think it's a little bit of subterfuge. They're real characters, perhaps, but they're not the names of those characters. It's just ridiculous. But who knows? I guess so. That does beg the question, like, why would they be doing subterfuge? If, if it is not real, then... Is it because they're character names that we know, like Ripley and Hicks? Like, is is there a reason? Otherwise, there's not really a reason to, if their name is Thompson, you know, like who who knows why, right? I mean, if it's if it's all like a ruse, then then there would be interesting reasons for it, which would kind of upset me because I don't want to have Ripley and Hicks in this movie, in this, in this series, rather. They did. There's a bit of casting news, though. They did cast Paul Giamatti as uh, Smee. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> It seems like it's almost Operation Footbullet. If you're giving characters ridiculous names now, you know, this is the point where you should be drumming up interest in the series, not playing silly games. We're well past Blue Harvest, you know, the, you know, how they were, they were shooting Return of the Jedi under a fake title. This isn't where the territory that we're in when we're giving interviews about the fact that the, the show is in production. So I don't know. Holly is a strange guy. Uh, he might think that it's appropriate. So we'll see. I just don't understand the amount of things that has been leaked from that show, why there hasn't been a cease and desist. Most of the time, these com these studios, companies, they go in, I mean, with like, you're talking, you know, concept art, all sorts of things. No cease and desist, no nothing. It's strange to me. I've not seen that before this early where concept art and plot points and names and all of these things are being leaked um, and nothing's happening. Conversely, with Romulus, 
you have those videos that were leaked, all of those auditions. They were pulled within 48 hours. They were gone. But with the Holly series, all of the stuff is just kind of out there. Like something's to me, in my opinion, something's wrong. Something doesn't add up with the amount of info that we're seeing for this show. I feel like it's mis it's it's misdirection. So that what when we finally see the show, it's gonna be completely fresh. Could be me. Well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man. You finished. Last thing I'll say on this though is Fargo season five honestly is fucking awesome. And a, for me, a return to form of the first two seasons, which are some of my favorite, my favorite seasons of television ever. It is super strange, super funny and super freaky and scary and amazing. And it's making me so excited because like if, if he can pull that off in the alien universe and I'll take all the toodles in the world, if it means that we get that kind of vision I mean, we are in great hands. Like, it, it's a great reminder to me that although he can sometimes, the quality can dip a little bit, when he gets it right, he really nails it and does it in a way that not many other filmmakers can. So I, it's just, it's making me feel really good about things. I also just want to say that Hicks is a stupid name on paper. And and yet we love this character. Apone, I've never heard that name before. You know, Frost, and he dies in a fire. I mean, you can you can overanalyze names if you had them well well in advance and it's again it's too bad that we do have them in advance because i think that once the show hits and we see the full picture of what he's attempting to do the names may not matter at all or they may feel incredibly appropriate so we'll just have to wait and see so let's pull it back to the episode then unless anybody has anything else they like to say one thing i will say is please also like write in with some of your thoughts on this because this is the time when fandom is really buzzing and really excited and a lot of speculation is happening so please do continue to you know interact with our posts on social media and write into the email address which is perfect organism podcast at gmail.com and just you know keep us in the loop with what you're thinking too because we would like to help represent the interests of fandom at large in this space and help to kind of facilitate this dialogue as we venture forth into this, you know, uncharted future, which is really exciting. And uh, and I'm saying that as the one who's usually the most kind of hesitant to get excited about new things coming out in this franchise. I'm feeling really good right now. Fargo is like getting me back there. I'm feeling really good about it. Anyway, going back to the episode for tonight. So uh, let's talk a little bit about whether or not Alien was successful, I think would be a good place to start the conversation. Uh, and by that, I mean successful in terms of box office, in terms of you know popular culture, in terms of proving itself like as a, a viable business case into the future, and uh, and what they wanted to do with it afterwards. So I'll kind of start things off, and we can go around, and everybody can add their own you know memories and recollections uh, to the conversation. To me, uh, it it was successful in a huge way as uh, in terms of getting you know, society talking about it. And in terms of generating a return on an investment, it was a successful film, but it was also a really expensive film. And it was released by a studio that went through a major overhaul shortly after it came out. There was a ton of executive turnover at Fox in the late 1970s and into the early 1980s. Uh, they were sued, of course, by Brandywine Productions for not get, turning profits over to them, which is a, a huge deal. Um, so things were very much up in the air, and they didn't really know if this was a bankable concept for a sequel, as opposed to, of course, when we have Aliens comes out and Aliens 
just breaks the mold and is a, is a true blockbuster in every sense of the term. And we have lots of people competing to get their vision for a sequel to that made. When Alien came out, just imagine if you can, this is like late 1979, there is no future after Alien. Like all we have is Ripley on the Narcissus drifting through space at the end of the film. And who knows what comes next? It was a different time. And sequels had like just basically been sort of legitimized because of Godfather 2 before then sequels were really like looked down upon and um if anyone wants the numbers i did look it up alien was the fifth highest grossing movie of 1979 it made just shy of 79 million dollars and it showed on 757 screens for all you uh theater and bean counters out there so a success that's crazy because 79 million these days would not be considered a success but inflation everything well i think in terms of um success as well beyond the dollar is just the word of mouth, right? The 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 buzz generated from the newness of it. So in those terms, um, I absolutely think it was successful in just getting people to talk about it. We've talked about this endlessly, but the realism, the grittiness, you know, the antithesis of the shiny Star Trek films that have come before, I think it definitely made its mark in terms of just buzz. Right. And that's ultimately what sequels will feed off of. We sat down on LV-426. One of our crew members was brought back on board with something attached to his face, some kind of parasite. We tried to get it off. It wouldn't come off. Later, it seemed to come off by itself and die. Kane seemed fine. We were all having dinner and um, it must have laid something inside his throat, some sort of embryo. He started... Um, he... Look, man, I only need to know one thing, where they are. Yeah, and to add to that, Andy, I, I think another success of it is is, is just the stake in the ground it, it placed as far as, like, practical effects, right? I mean, you look at Alien 1979, I would say it looks better than more than half of the films that came out in the 80s that are sci-fi films. I mean, you go back to Alien and, and that film looks like... It could have been made now, right? You know, looking back at at the times then, but it's it's uh, it's just great. It's awesome that Scott like fought to to keep the derelict scene in there. I know that was one of the most expensive um, sets and things that they had to do and create, uh, and that's one of could be the unicorn of the entire alien everything, right? Like that scene, we love that thing. And like, it's something we talk about. There's so much mystery and there's so much world there in that scene. There's so much you can pull out of that. And so it's just, it's again, just a testament to the success of like what Scott has created from, from then on out, you know, and, and what it's led us to be, what has led Alien to be. I think the only other thing that's as, as iconic as that moment in Alien is 2001, the, you know, some of the imagery there. I don't think that there's another film that comes close to them. Um, they're amazing. Uh, but to your original question, Patrick, like what would come after alien if there wasn't aliens? That's a, a great question because I think there's the setup to me to go right into the company, like have the next film, you would be at company headquarters, whatever that might be. And you don't really know what the company is. Is it AI? Because the ship is fueled by AI. It's getting orders from AI. It's getting orders from the network. What is the network? There's lots of mystery there, and I'm not saying that they should go in and uncover all that mystery, 
but there is enough for them to play with to find out who's sending these people out, who's giving these orders, why are they giving them these orders, where would they get the orders to give, why would they have them stop there in the first place, how would they know to have them stop there in the first place. There's a ton of stuff there. And it is interesting that that really has never been explored. Clearly, the company picked up on the distress signal or the whatever the signal is and diverted the Nostromo uh, from Thetis after replacing the science officer with Ash. So that shows a certain amount of uh, premeditation. Like they had they had a piece of information and this was the 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 easiest actionable item you know, it's clearly not who you'd intend to send, but this is who they sent. So that that implies to me some urgency as well. There's that sense of if we don't send someone now, another company is going to get there first. That plot point, that plot thread is not followed up by aliens. There's the sort of the, the hand wave that maybe whoever sent the Nostromo, whoever gave those orders when the Nostromo went missing, buried it so that no one would know so they wouldn't get in trouble. But yeah, you could really dig into that and say, all right, what did they know? Who knew on, because who else on the Nostromo besides Ash had the knowledge of what was going on? Was it just him? Was it just Ash and mother? Uh, I think that's a really interesting idea. I also wanted to say, I liked uh, Madge mentioning um, Godfather 2. Godfather 2 and Dawn of the Dead are the two sequels that come to my mind that are from, from earlier films that you could actually apply to this Dawn of the Dead being the same universe with completely different characters and even a, a, a different um, overall approach or, or philosophy. And Godfather 2, of course, uh, giving us both a sequel and a prequel at the same time. You have that flashback setting or the flashback framework. So like what Jamie's saying, you could have, well, who sent the, who sent the Nostromo there? See how that went. And then what's the aftermath after the Nostromo goes missing? So those are just some thoughts. It almost sounds like we're talking about Romulus. Who knows? Well, and there, there's a whole story there. Like, for instance, when Ripley confronts Dallas in the corridor, and she's like, no, we we should get rid of this stuff. And he's like, I leave it up to the science officer. And she's like, do you trust him? He's like, I don't trust anyone. That We picked him up, you know, as you were saying, Christian at Thetis. There's, what's that story? Why would they switch him at the last minute? So clearly there is a larger picture. And I think we've had shades of this discussion before, but the idea that Ripley sacrifices herself in Alien 3 thinking she's saving the world, clearly she's not. Clearly there's other things going on. There's more to this story than we know because the company knew about this thing before. I think um, whatever the story for Romulus is going to be, I, I feel like they brilliantly saw what was in Alien and said, let's go for this story because that story hasn't been told without actually um, – and you can tell that story without – because we're not all like, oh, no, we, we don't need to know. I think – if they do follow the science officer to some degree, I don't know, uh, from that was supposed to be on the Nostromo, maybe he's involved or she's involved somehow. I think that would be an interesting story. So if we're talking about possible alternatives, like you were saying, I definitely think that's the logical direction if it didn't go to aliens, right? Aliens, and we've said this many times too, aliens is really about the characters, Right, and Ripley. That's where we've that's where Ripley becomes the Ripley we know and love. So I think if that hadn't happened, we would definitely see more of the company. Um, the alien would be the star still, I think, or as an aliens, I don't think it is. I think it's Ripley. Um, much like, and I'm gonna 
bring it I'm gonna talk about another James Cameron film but it's it's very much like Terminator where you could have had a completely different story if you had a sequel in the future war or focusing on the AI aspect right but the focus in the second one was the journey of Sarah Connor emerging into the woman we know her to be and I think that's the direction aliens took obviously so in this alternate timeline, there's really two sides to the story. There's the alien side in that whole world, and then there's Ripley. And they think it would have gone the opposite direction. It's very bizarre. Seconds. All right. What is it? Let's get out of here. It's not this far. We must go on. We have to go on. Yeah, the obvious future for Ripley is a, is just as a whistleblower. She would come back and and want to, you know, make sure people know what the company did, and that that's not a particularly exciting plotline for her. Uh, so. You could have that kind of like how the in the sequel to Moon um, called Mute, you have a, on a television, you see all of the clones of, of uh, Sam Rockwell's character testifying about what happened, but it actually is played as a joke. And I think it actually diminishes Moon. So not to keep referencing aliens, but Cameron deals with that concept so beautifully by having not only the gap, but. They just don't believe her. Like she, there's no evidence to back up what she's saying. Right. So I think if they did focus more on the company, I don't know how big of a role she would have had, if any. You know, I think her role would have been diminished in some way, like you said, and maybe not as interesting in, in terms of her story, but redirecting it, which I think is what Romulus is doing, right? It's bringing us back to the other side of that story around that time frame. Just uh, reading a couple comments from Xander in the chat. Xander says, I could see a sequel to Alien happening around the time that Halloween 2018 came out with an aged Ripley. The plot of Aliens could work with an aged Ripley, but I could see a different plot too, maybe the search for the Nostromo. Um, and then he also mentions Prometheus. So that brings me to something else, which is that Scott, as early as the early 1980s, wanted to make what essentially became Prometheus. He wanted to make the backstory of how the space jockey came to be. Part of me feels like uh, a Ridley Scott in 1981-82 could have really done something kind of amazing with that, actually. like I think that might have been a, a really fascinating thing to see. I also kind of like the idea of potential sequels spooling backwards from one another, but never getting to the bottom. Like it could be really cool to, because the thing with aliens and, and 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 everything to come is that it always you know jumps in time for the most part, right? Until we get to the prequels, like you know we have fifty seven years, blah blah. Um, it could be cool if instead of that they kind of retrograded in time and they went back to like earlier things that had happened that were still mysterious because they weren't actually answered. And then we kind of thought we got the answer to why that happened, but it revealed something else and kind of going going down a little bit could have been interesting to see. It's really hard to have this conversation because Aliens is so iconic. Like it's so hard to imagine this not existing. You know what I mean? I think partly because my personal conceptualization of what alien means is very much informed by the existence of aliens in the first place. Like I, I really, I really struggle to think of what else it could have looked like. Uh, but I guess I can try. I guess one thing I would say is had Alien had a an Alien two sequel that was not 
Ripley with commandos, which I think was the prompt given to Cameron for his first treatment. Had it just been the same basically as the first film, it would have been a way smaller world with way less technology in it for one thing, right? I mean, Aliens is where we get all the gear. Like we just talked about with Mario on the previous episode, that's where we get the amazing, you know, all of the weaponry and the, you know, uh, everything that goes along with that. And it would be so different, like to not have an alien universe with colonial marines in it would feel like such a different experience. But it could also have been interesting had we gotten a more straight up small haunted house horror sequel to it, um, you know, which I think most people probably would have assumed would have happened. That's the other thing I want to mention is that James Cameron, like there's a reason he's the most he's the highest banking film director of all time and will probably be for the rest of our lives. It's because he hit upon the perfect business model for making money in Hollywood, right? You give people more of what they want and you do it in a way that gives a heroic arc to a character so they can identify with that character's journey and you make a much bigger budget for it and you give them a chance to you give the audience a chance to invest themselves in this character and have this character come to the heroic conclusion of their journey and the audience feels empowered and excited and you got tons of cool shit to buy afterwards it's just like and he does that with everything that he touches except for titanic and the abyss and maybe a couple other things um but obviously that's the case with avatar now as well which is continuing to make incredible amounts of money and uh with terminator and terminator 2 that's exactly what it was right Terminator 2 is Terminator, but with like a much less dark tone. It's a much more, uh, in some ways, humanistic film. I, I guess humanistic in a broad sense, not necessarily like in an individual time sense. Um, and I think that's what he brought to Alien. And that's why it's real. you can't like, you can't unring the bell a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it would have been cool to try to see some different time treatment and go backwards. I would have liked that. What they also could have done, which would have been interesting, are, like we have Ripley's story in Aliens, but you could have intercut that with, for instance, there's a part of Cameron's story as well with Burke. What meetings were Burke in where they sent him down? And clearly he had some directive, like bring this, bring this back up. We want this. Burke had ulterior motives. What were those, where did those motives come from? So in the meeting that I, I know I'm going into aliens, but I guess I'm just trying to mine for story. There could have been intercuts where you had company suits talking. We got to get this lady under control, blah, blah, blah. Well, she's the one who probably knows the most, but she's a risk. So let's send her down. And then they could cut that cut to what's going on in Cameron's story. There's so much behind the scenes stuff that happened in these films that we're only seeing one. I guess one side of it, we're seeing Ripley's story, but what's that whole other world of, in terms of the conglomerate, uh, is it, is it AI behind this? Is AI the one who's making all these changes? Is AI in control? Is it actually people in control or do people report to the AI? And that's one thing like that alien sets up where they're talking to mother and they're talking to network and she's getting these replies like priorities rescinded and crew expendable. Who's saying this? Is that mother saying this or is that, or is that other people saying this? How do we know it's other people? I, and I say that because Christian was nodding and then answering. So <laughs> how do we know you, you have this AI idea. I know we talked about it over the last couple of years that I don't think is really present. I think that, mm. that mother is the, the only AI in the film Ash is an android, which is separate. And mother is, you can ask questions and it answers, or it tells you that the question doesn't compute, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's very simple. 
Um, also, separating the two, the first two films in particular from the expanded universe, it's really not clear how many people in the company know about the alien or are involved in this. And that, that includes in Aliens, if you truly, if you take everyone at their at face value, obviously, except for Burke, when they say, you know, we don't know what you're talking about. There's no evidence of the alien on the ship. You know, there's no, there's no black box, all this stuff. Um, it, if the people who sent the Nostromo, who redirected the Nostromo, truly did bury that information to protect their own hides, almost 60 years later, there's no record of any of that until this crazy lady shows up with this story. And Burke is the one who says, wow, what if this is true? I can make a lot of money off of this. And so he sends the, the message to Hadley's Hope. They send the Jordans out. That film, again, taking the extended universe out, it really could just be Burke. He might be the only person in the company. And the reason he's the only person is because he's trying to keep it exclusive. This is a one-man mission to make himself a whole bunch of money at the expense of 158 colonists and a whole bunch of colonial Marines. So that's one way to look at it. Or you can say, what do you mean? There's no evidence of the alien on board the Narcissus. There should be acid burns. There should be DNA. You know, the, the, the harpoon gun is stuck in the door. What do you think happened here? And if you go that route, then you have suddenly a, a larger and larger conspiracy to hide the evidence, to silence Ripley. Um, and that gets then steamrolled into, is that why there's a colony on this planet? You know, but why would you put the, col the, the colony of Hadley's Hope is co-financed between the company and the colonial administration, which is why the colonial Marines get sent in, not Wayne Yutani's goons. So why would you set up this whole thing if you, if you truly knew there was something on this planet? And why would it take you 60 years to find it? bringing this all back because that's all alien stuff that's all alien stuff alien does not give us hardly any information about who's in the company who's in the know and while i don't think that it's ai on top uh, i think it's people i love how faceless it is i love that we don't have a peter wayland throughout any of the original films and it's something that i think the the prequels uh it's a it's a risky choice they went for it they hired who they hired I don't like it because it gives the company too much of a face. It gives the company the arrogance of this one individual. And I don't care for that. But back to your original question, answering that doesn't destroy the mystery the way that answering what the space jockey is absolutely, in my mind, destroyed the mystery. You can deepen a mystery. You can broaden this universe. Because again, like Patrick was saying, um, Yes, aliens gave us colonial marines, but aliens also gave us deep space salvage. It gave us corporate suits with popped collars. It gave us colonists and colonial administration. It gave us a, a whole stratification of a society in such beautiful, simple strokes that that's where the expanded universe comes from. We have this idea of terraformers, shake and bake colony, the, the wildcatters, all these different terms that were thrown out. Back to alien, we really only have the separation between the... Um, the officers and the uh, the engineers. That's that's the the difference that we get and the, the friction between them. And then the, above them is the company. Well said, Christian. Alien gave us the bare minimum, right, in terms of that that world. So it was almost not a blank slate because obviously it had so much richness there. But you really could have gone in a thousand different directions. Um, you know, focusing on Ripley, not focusing on Ripley, focusing on the alien, 
or taking us into the company, like you said. I think because it was so sparse, it really could have led anywhere. And I, I, I agree with you. I like the faceless company as well. I'm going to chime in my two cents, really a couple simple ideas of, uh, I, I really like what you guys are talking about, like all the different avenues that it could have gone down as far as how high up these messages and these orders were coming down from the company. So just like some thoughts that I had were like, I, it could have been cool to see maybe like a cover up happening like after the Nostromo was destroyed, like a Wayland yutani or company type ship coming in to intercept the narcissist to basically capture Ripley and shut her up in a sense, but then to also knowing that that mission might not have succeeded to go- take her back along with them to LV. Uh, 426 to again extract an alien and then that goes horribly wrong like some sort of patrick i think you were mentioning it uh, some sort of like smaller horror film again right like it's like a sequel to that uh or you know setting up possibly then what aliens could have been would be like okay a cover-up is happening but then colonial marines or some other administration is like coming in too like just knowing um or i don't know i mean i feel like the nostromo being blowing up has to be recorded somewhere there's got to be some thing that something would someone would have known about that happening um or they could write it that way but uh so you have like a cover-up coming in and then it's like the police coming in almost being like oh what's this company doing why are they taking this lady hostage what are they doing what's going on on lv426 and that could have been like a it's sort of like a whistleblowing story, right? Silo that. Another thing too, just knowing from what Scott had made in in years to come and then whether or not Cameron would have been involved or whoever at that time could have made a, a subsequent story to this or would there have been any, if at all, like world crossing? Jamie, just your question, like, is it AI telling them and Christian, I, I know you, you answered this very well. Could it be like Nexus 6, like androids telling, working for the company, telling these people what to do, you know, something like that. Or do we have like, I know Cameron really brings like the hybridized systems in and, and things like that. But do do we have like this, a little bit of like universe bringing in other universes to tell to tell a story or extrapolate on this story a little bit or is, are just some things that I don't know I was thinking of that that could have been cool if it would have ended up that way I want to jump in for a second because I have something uniquely topical to mention which is that about an hour ago Henry our youngest son was talking to Siri which you know I, I mean sorry but <laughs> that was happening and he was asking questions and he asked what's your favorite horror movie and uh, Siri replied Blade Runner, which I thought was really actually an interesting choice that it was programmed to say that because it makes sense that like an artificial or a machine learning, you know, tool would be afraid of a film that's about hunting down, you know, robots, basically. And I, I honestly it was one of the first times I'd kind of connected outside of my own head with like, oh, this is actually like this is an example of like artificial intelligence and horror kind of mixing together in a way that I hadn't really considered before. And uh, so I, I wanted to kind of throw that out there. I also want to call attention. Xander brought up a great point in the chat, which is uh, isolation, which of course is about as close as we get to a direct linear. I mean, it is a direct linear sequel to Alien. It takes place in that interregnum between the events of Alien and Alien slash Alien Three, uh, and it is you know it takes place as part of a recovery mission related to the events in the first film. 
uh, it is full of the company. It's full of actually companies. So we get actually, this is actually a really good point, Xander, because now we're getting into what Christian was talking about, which is the stratification of the world, right? We see some of that hierarchy and that organization and the way capitalism functions in this society, but in a pre-aliens way, because we don't have colonial Marines and we don't have, you know, the, the things that we come to know so well in that film, we see what it's like before that, like what it's like to have just companies vying for intelligence and for assets and for, you know, uh, rights to certain technologies and things like that. So that's a really good point, Sander. I, I think, you know, isolation presents that to us in a really compelling way. Isolation is such an interesting case study. And I should say, we are coming up, of course, on the 10-year anniversary of Isolation's release. This is the last thing you're going to hear from PO for uh, about, about four weeks. We're going to take a slight break going into the new year. So um, this is actually the last chance we're going to have to say that before the new year comes, that we are about to be in the 10-year anniversary of that amazing game coming out, that fucking incredible landmark achievement, not only for Alien, but for video games in general. So we're going to be covering a lot of that next year. So be ready for that. Um, but, and of course we have per, the perfect organism book coming out that, uh, our friend Andy wrote and a lot of things to look forward to, to commemorate it. Um, but something that's so interesting about isolation is that obviously it's a masterpiece and it functions really well, but what if that had come out and alien had not come out, right? What if isolation were where all of the ideas that go into alien were originated? Like, what if that's what we got before we got a movie based on it? Um, think about what a mind blowing thing that would be if if this video game had managed to come up with all of this mythology on its own i mean that would be like such an achievement i don't know why i'm bringing that up other than to say it's it's an exercise in trying to excise certain things from the timeline and see what it would be like without them right i don't know if isolation would hold up as well if it were not related to alien i think part of why it functions so beautifully is because it gives us the setting that we're comfortable with that we want more time in that we want to learn more about and then allows us basically just to experience it. Of course, we have the novelization that Keith DeCandido wrote a few years ago, which is really quite good, but was nowhere near as compelling for me as the game was for many reasons. And, you know, that's about as close as we come to like having a, an isolation film, which I don't know if because it is so familiar and it is so similar to the first movie. I don't know if that would have worked as well as a sequel, and I don't think it would have contributed nearly as much to the world building that Cameron did, which gave us, as Christian mentioned beautifully, basically the expanded universe. The expanded universe of aliens, of the alien saga before aliens was super limited. We had the Kenner big chap, you know, we had a couple of items of memorabilia. We had the film projector, the portable film uh, reel viewer. You know, there was the book, there was the collectible, uh, you know, alien book. There was the illustrated novel um, that, you know, Walt Simonson worked on. But like, other than that, there really wasn't much out there. And of course, there was a novelization. It's interesting to think about. What you said about not being able to unring the alien's bell in a way, I do keep, when I start trying to think practically of like genre movies at the, in the early 80s, you know, think about like Halloween too. They usually pick up like right where the last one left off. Um, and then I'm thinking, oh, the 80s... Um, you know, and to Xander's comment about, you know, he could see this sort of almost inverse of Prometheus that's not a prequel, but a sequel about the, the, and centering the company more searching for the alien or the alien's home planet. I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. The 80s, the corporatism, all that. I'm like, oh, that's aliens. Like Cameron did that. So, so here's my pitch. All right. Because you can never make a better sequel than aliens. 
10,000 years after the events of Alien, the big chap has been hurtling through space, undead. Eventually, he falls into the gravitational pull of a planet, crash lands on a planet, and we're off to the races. There it is. What do you guys think? You're actually not far off from one of the pitches for <laughs> Alien 2, which was simply the alien floats through space until it lands on another spaceship and terrorizes <laughs> that crew. I, I remember reading about I that. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the other one they had that I loved was, um, you know, the the planet, because it wasn't called LV-426 yet, but the, the planet explodes and alien eggs are hurtled through space and land on Earth. Because that makes... Amazing I mean, they're sense. right next to each other, Christian. They I really mean, are. they're right there. Hey, it's six months away. <laughs> I mean, come on. Flaming eggs coming down from through the atmosphere. So right. that big chap idea, though, is such a clear, you know, well, we know what worked. Let's just do it again. Just put it on another another ship. And Patrick, to your point about isolation, isolation, as beautiful as it is, as wonderful as it is, absolutely assumes you know the life cycle and the the basic setup we're given the the alien in its full-grown form before we see any of the other aspects of it and maybe that could work it'd be really neat to meet someone who played alien isolation in complete ignorance for the rest of the saga dan o'bannon had a couple of ideas as long as we're kind of digging into the history one of course is that the alien dies after a couple of days because it's maybe an engineered weapon where you drop it on a planet and it, it wreaks havoc makes eggs, dies. But he also had this idea uh, that is really interesting where the juvenile form of the alien is incredibly violent and ferocious. But once it ages past that, there's actually a society and they have a culture. And so uh, the one of the early ideas was that the, what we now know as the derelict was the separate pyramid temple. And that that was actually the alien's culture and that all of the, uh, the hieroglyphics and the, the, the cave carvings and bas reliefs or whatever were made by the race that the alien actually belongs to. And that the space jockey would land his ship nearby, go into there, get infected, go back and he, and he carves a pyramid, a triangle on his dashboard to warn people. Wow. But that, that's very abandoned. It is very O'Bannon. Now, this is also coming from the man, as much as we love Dan O'Bannon, who straight-faced pitched to Fox that Alien versus Predator should be about how the aliens evolve into the Predators, that the Predator oh, no. was literally the final form. Oh, you, know, be, you know, he was a shooter, super Saiyan. Right? He shot his shot. He was an idea <laughs> man. So, but, but taking that idea, not the Predator idea, but the idea that the alien grows out of its aggressive, violent form and has something beyond it. Um, I that's that's a lot to swallow, but I think that could be where a prequel. Because as as much as you guys know, I'm a huge Aliens uh, apologist, but Cameron firmly places the Aliens as a lower uh, intelligence. I'd say that we we get into the insect, the hive mind. The you know the queen's the smart one, the drones aren't. An alien does not make that assumption. I don't think. We, we do not understand what this creature is. It is absolutely alien. And so a, a new sequel to Alien 
could take the creature and actually show us somehow that it, that it has more intelligence than we'd realized. Alien Resurrection tried to do that, I think. Of course, it failed miserably. But, you know, when they're like in the cage and they're looking at each other and they kill one and then they escape, like clearly there's some higher function going on. But I don't like that would be interesting in some ways, but I pivot back to why aliens and Alien 3 are so gripping and the creature is cool because the characters are amazing. I don't know if the, the creatures could carry a film by itself. And I think we have empirical evidence of that. Um, number one being AVP and then AVP Requiem. AVP is definitely the better film, but Requiem, it's just the creatures carrying this film and it's garbage. Um, and I don't know if there's a film and the first Predator film. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger's carrying that film. The Predator isn't. Now, the Predator has presence and... You know, he eats up the screen whenever he's there, but he's not carrying the film. I think they're they're equally doing that. It's a tightrope walk. It really is. I think writing those movies, writing an alien film is a, is an art form. And you, as we can see, it's hard to get it right. But I also think that you could make a sequel to Alien that isn't Aliens and then have Aliens come after that. There's so much there. There's so much story that they could tell and then pick up Ripley's story 10 years later. I mean, again, Romulus is set between that 57 years between Alien and Aliens. There's so much potential there. Just to, to piggyback on that, because you're setting me up for the rest of Natalia's question. There was actually a second part to her question slash proposal, which I, I do want to spend some time on, which is Aliens answers a lot of questions about the life cycle of the creature, as Christian mentioned. And as you just mentioned, you know, we see where the eggs come from, for one thing. We get a lot of answers about that. We get a lot of answers about how these things function. We learn a lot about how they operate as a hive, et cetera, how they, you know, follow directives that come from some, you know, higher power with this queen. Uh, so Natalia was what, what wanted to hear us kind of tease out these ideas of what if we didn't have answers to those things yet? Like, what if we didn't really understand the life cycle? What if we didn't really know what was going on at the end of the first film, why the alien was acting the way it was? Um, what if we didn't have all of the biological answers that aliens presents to us? What might, where might the eggs be coming from? Like, what might the alien be motivated by? What are some other, you know, in terms of the physiology and the functionality of the creature, what are some other directions that might have been interesting to see? So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that. I hope I'm not dominating. I, I have a lot of things to say. And I, and I believe I've shared this story before, but one time when my, when my kids was little, I was reading them The Very Hungry Caterpillar. And it just suddenly occurred to me that you could apply that to the alien. And, you know, and then it ate Lambert and it was still hungry. And then it ate Parker. And what the problem is, if you read that children's book, right, you get to the end uh, by Eric Carl, you get to the end and the, 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 the very hungry caterpillar is now a big fat caterpillar and it makes a cocoon and it goes into the cocoon and it stays there for a while. When it comes out, it's a beautiful butterfly. And that creeped me the fuck out, applying it to the alien of maybe the reason it's so sedentary on the Narcissus is that it's finally taken in enough, whatever, and now it's going to make a cocoon and and become its its next form, which is not the predator. And if you were to give H.R. Uh, Giger more money, more latitude, what would he come up with? as a further form like what what more monstrous thing could it be so I that's interesting this. right <laughs> but andy you're a resident scientist so what what are your thoughts about where the eggs come from and, and I, I just to add to that 
the eggs on board the derelict spacecraft are small and have facehuggers that come out that are human sized. And yet the engineer is this towering Titan. How do we, how do we explain that? So the question basically is what would be an alternative to what we know as the life cycle? Well, I like the, the resting on the narcissist as a sort of like he's had his, his fill and he's kind of just chill. I like that, which explains why he didn't immediately just go after Ripley, right? Like he was almost like, oh, another one. Like I right? Like it was that's like that not that not that it was not terrifying, right? I think that silence and the fact that he didn't just jump out at her was more ter- was the more terrifying option. Um, yeah, what is he doing? And what are they doing? And how long would they have waited? For a victim, right? We know they waited at least 57 years or much more than that um, prior to that. It's it's that whole thing of dormancy, right? Where, you know, certain species can be dormant for decades, hundreds of years and just find a drop of water, right? Some spark that gets life going again. It is a good question about the the size of the face hugger. Like if they extend out or if there's a way for them to sort of cover an or like if maybe they don't use the mouth all the time or they find so I mean I'm just throwing this out there. Don't right? say it, Perry. Perry. So, <laughs> I mean, some sort of opening in which to implant their, their the larva, right? The egg. I don't know. As far as an alternative to what we have, right? I think this has been talked about endlessly how a lot of people didn't like the direction Cameron took it uh, to explain, right? Relating them more to bugs. Um, it would have been really interesting for somebody to come up with something completely unlike any life form that exists on Earth, like something truly alien, which I have a hard time grappling with because everything we know to be follows right certain patterns go jamie go ahead no so the elephant in the room here is there was another life form or life cycle something added that was on the cutting room floor which is ripley walking down into wherever she is in the ship and she finds dallas and what's left of brett cocooned and we call that, of course, it's been called notoriously egg morphing. Um, we don't really know exactly what's happening. It looks like Dallas is being cocooned and turned into an egg, or I don't really know. I don't know. I don't think anybody does. But And I think that is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. It's one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And just them barely talking and can't move, and they're trapped in this like thick, web-like, I don't know what it is, structure that's fucking scary what's interesting though is in terms of the life cycle i know ridley scott has gone on record saying he did not like the direction that james cameron went in in terms of the queen and it kind of dumbed it down a little bit but i mean what if what if these creatures adapt to their environment what if they don't use queens generally what if that was just for that place what if whatever biology is going on i mean if the aliens come from the goo in Prometheus. And what does that do goo do? It adapts, right? So it's adapting, it's adapting, it's adapting. This is stupid, but I, I'm just throwing this out there because, okay, so there's the moment in the Prometheus where you see the little worms 
And in the cut scenes, you see the worms. He steps on them and the worms get in the black goo and they they give that a moment. And then later on, those worms are the big uh, hammer peeds. Hammer peed. Yeah. So what if, I don't know, like, what if there were ants on LV426? And that's how, that sounds ridiculous. But like, I, I'm trying to like figure out, like, I, I don't think that the queen and that whole cycle is the alien life cycle. I think it could be a one offshoot of how it uh replicates itself um when there are plenty of hosts available and when there are not plenty of hosts available there's only one um but i also think that in prometheus you see the urns and they're all positioned like the eggs were positioned in alien and i feel like ridley scott was trying to reclaim that a little bit saying these were urns and this goo mixed in because it's organic matter mixed in with other things essentially terraformed those urns into something to hold life because the eggs are like the urns there's something in them that's and when he opens the the urn it looks very organic inside it doesn't look like an urn it looks like some type of you know what do they call uh the the shark eggs aren't they called something specific a per- what is it called? Mermaid's purses. Mermaid's purses. Yeah. It almost has that look, the inside of the urn. It doesn't look manufactured almost. It looks grown, even though the outside does have a manufactured look. The inside does not. So I think that there's a lot there. It opens up, uh, I guess, the the playing field. And Ridley Scott does this. You know, you see the uh, the trilobite, which is maybe a proto face more face hugger, and he and the trilobite, you know, attacks the engineer, and then you have that bullshit-looking creature that comes out at the end of Prometheus. Um, that's utterly ridiculous. But what I love about that is it looks a little bit different, and it's telling you that it's not just one thing. That might be many variations, and what we see on LV-426 in Aliens is just a variation on a theme. It's using the air shafts. We don't know that's that. the only way! We'll move in pairs. We'll go step by step and cut off every bulkhead and every vent until we have it cornered, and then we'll blow it the fuck out into space. Is that acceptable to you? I mean, I like to think that it was the Predators and the race of the Yauja that created Yauja. the black goo. The what? And <laughs> Yauja. 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 <laughs> no, I mean, Yauja. I have to get to the Yauja. Uh... I think the um, the really cool part about it is that it it could be anything, right? Like the black goo, or at least what we were informed on in Prometheus is that um, it adapts to its environment so well. Like the this this chemical, these molecules are are so evolutionary that it can that they could literally be anything, or they could have literally have come from anything or from or from anywhere trying to answer that or give us like the engineers right who you know maybe we're working on something for some sort of like chemical warfare like we obviously see that they used it to create um create and or end life on other planets uh things like that like those higher reaching or, or just like extra layers of where all of this sort of came from i i thought was really cool and really interesting but in that regard i mean it, it could have been taken anywhere with that if if cameron hadn't done or given us what we saw in aliens 
And and I don't want to say like dumbed it down. I just think he like went down one of those paths, right? Like, like um, that it is a species of of creature that we don't know where really it came from, but it has this spe- specific life cycle. Jamie, I like what you're saying. Like it could be specific for that environment. Um, and as we see then in Prometheus, like, yeah, it could have been anything. I mean, we could get the Deacon, um, from a engineer at the end. Right. But, um, oh, the Duncan, the dunk. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. The Duncan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like what if, I don't know, like th- things, uh, going back to like the whistleblowing and like the cover up. And like the corporate, the corporate 80s ideal sort of things in some of these films like and and I'm saying this as like, this is going to sound dumb or it's going to sound like really simple. But it's like, what if again, like we saw that it was actually the company that had its hand in whatever that was on LV 426 and they were just sending the Nostromo back there to kind of like make it all look like an accident or and that it was some sort of alien life form that no one else knew about but really in the back it was this company that did these things on this weird planet and the ship crashed or they were doing stuff on LV426 years before right and i'm obviously like red con like everything we have now but um that could have been, I don't know, maybe a cool idea too. And maybe like these crazy scientist dudes like created this chemical thing for like biological weapons and it all went horribly wrong. And there's like a whole nother story there to tell. But all we saw was just the company sending, you know, the Nostromo there to basically recover what was lost. And maybe that it, maybe it's just as was or is just as simple as that and it and it was after so much trial and error they created this like very horrifying thing um but yeah i just think with you know the egg morphing is awesome right and i just like love that we got that and that idea was even was even there and acted upon and like created in alien for us to see and just to give us a million different reasons as to like what these things do or like, you know, if the engineers never had to be anything, is this like a species that's just like out there in space and that's it, right? Like that's horrifying in itself, I think, which is really cool. Xander said egg morphing would be 100, 100% canon. I think that I would want it to be, I think it's a good enough idea to be, but the fact that it was edited out of the movie makes me wonder but i also think that it's like it seems like we keep coming back to ideas of prequels in a way and i don't know how popular prequels were back then i feel like they would have thought of like we're going to give you the next installment this is going to be a sequel like maybe it would be retconned and explained we'd learn more about uh you know to the stuff you were talking about perry like if um if the you know, the company's involvement, what they did and didn't know about all that. But I think that like the fact, you know, the reason we all know why Aliens is so great is because I don't think any filmmaker would have been able to escape the mandate of like, you need to explain more stuff. And this has to be a sequel. And he did it like so perfectly. Christian, please pitch us. I'm just going to give you my my idea of what I would like to see or would would love to have seen for a sequel to Alien. And this is probably coming from having just read Aliens Bishop 
So I'm taking a page from the William Gibson Alien 3 script. Ripley's floating in the Narcissus. It's only been, you know, a few weeks or whatever. And she's picked up by a rival group, a, not a, not even a corporation, possibly um, the UPP. That's the that's uh, Gibson's idea of a, a socialist uh, block in space that would be the antithesis of the of the company. She's picked up by them and they take her back to to the planet to try to figure out what's going on at the same time that an, another group of Wailing Natani, you know, an extraction team or something is arriving. So you have this race to get back to the derelict. She's not a willing participant, but so be it. And you'd have that struggle between these two ideologies. And then to cap it off when they get there, the thing that's actually waiting for them is whatever actually burst out of the space jockey that you have this space jockey sized, you know, larger alien that is the, uh, the existential threat that's waiting for them. So those are some ideas because that's something that's never been explored. That thing's chest is burst open. We don't know when an alien dies or how long it can lie dormant. Um, aliens direct descent just kind of went down that road a little bit, but, uh, and dark horse comics did one time, but anyway, those are some ideas that I would all I'd throw together because you have the company that we know and then something that's the opposite of the company we know. And maybe Ripley would end up siding with them more. I like green light your project. Yeah. I like that a lot. Should, should we do alien three now? I think we we've been talking for about a little over an hour. I think we should probably save it for the next time. That's what makes. Yeah. We don't want to, we don't want to rush that. I, I think um, I have a question for everybody. I think there's still more to talk about. Yeah. Oh yeah. So my question is, does everyone think, that the company knew about this creature beforehand based off aliens. I, I was just going to ask the same thing. They say to bring back a sample yeah. or bring back life form. You know, there's, there's something about it. They know there's more than just a signal, but yeah. I don't know. And, and Ash's face when, um, during the chest bursting sequence where he's just like, all right, like this is the moment. Like he, I'm not saying he knew exactly, but he did seem to, you know, in his eyes, he's communicating that, I think. Yes. It's the look of knowing. Yes. Yeah. He was waiting. There he's, was an anticipatory. He's almost excited. Yes. He was, he, he was anticipating the answers to some of the questions that I think were already there. I think, yeah, I think I kind of like the idea of the crew being sort of the guinea pigs. Like we, we've, we've heard something or we've seen, or we know something of what's going on. Let's, they're there. No one really gives a shit about these people. Let's send them, see what happens. We're going to take a break and be right back. Are you interested in even more from Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast? We have hundreds of hours of discussion and film reviews just waiting for you to dive into. Go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support and sign up for our Patreon starting at just $4 a month. Your membership will give you access to Framerate, our Patreon-exclusive film review show, and our newly launched Hive Experience, where we cover the Alien Extended Universe, Blade Runner, and beyond. Join us. Also brings up a cool idea that Isolation sort of brought to us, but were, was the Nostromo and that crew the first crew and ship for that to have happened to? I mean, you, we don't see much of like another other people being in the derelict when obviously they go to explore that but were they the first ones is that how the company knows about it and so they've just been sending chips and they're like oh maybe this one will make it up not saying that they all 
blow up their ship at the end and there's always a Ripley and maybe they're just like stashing Ripley's away, you know, in some cuckoo house uh, out in space. But you know what I mean? It's, it's just like maybe they weren't the first ones there and that's that's how they know about it. And they've been sending people. Well, it's it's fair to treat isolation as canon now because it is because it, it was released officially. So it's like. But again, we, we have to unring the bell of everything that's come since Alien came out and go back, I think, and only treating the source material that we have for the first film as like the actual biblical Old Testament that we're talking through. And to me, it's there is no doubt that the company knew what was going on to some degree because they found a ship that was in the right vicinity. I don't think the Nostromo was sent out for this mission. You know, I think it was an oil refining rig that was just in that sector and that they was sent to that you know, beacon because the company had an interest there. And I think Ash was a plant to make sure that, you know, the company orders would be followed regardless of the moral implications for the people on the ship, because Ash is an instrument of the capitalist arm that is the company in this film. But again, it's so, it's so unseen, which I really love. And, and I want to, I know a, a bunch more points are waiting in the wings and I don't want to derail them, but there's one thing I wanted to bring up in the biology thing that I didn't quite get to yet. Um, so I'm going to bookmark that for a second and go back for one moment, which Christian made me think of. There's this really amazing inscrutability to the aliens' actions on the ship in the Nostromo that w- is no longer inscrutable once aliens comes out, right? An alien, it's kind of hard to know not only why the creature is there and like what it's trying to do, but it's hard to know how it's accomplishing it. You know, we don't really see it moving around very much. We're given glimpses of how it might be doing that, but it doesn't really quite make sense with the way that events happen in the film. The way it moves is very strange. The way that it, you know, uh, captures people, it, it's 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 very like it's very much not analogous to any creature on Earth. Like it doesn't really operate like a spider, but it operates in ways that are kind of analogous to the ways that a spider would hunt. Um, etc. It has human qualities to it, but it's very clearly not human. And what I love about Alien is that like we are not given any more information than we can try to look at it through the lens of animals and people that we know, but we can't really quite come up with anything cohesive. Aliens gives us that hierarchy that we keep talking about so we understand the creature for the first time. So if we were living in a world where aliens hadn't come out, we would still potentially be living in a world where we really didn't know what the point of this creature was, right? It wasn't eating anybody that we could see. Like it was, it was obviously you know, gorging itself with their brain matter to some degree, but like it wasn't feasting on them. Like it didn't seem to be reproducing with them. Uh, And even the egg morphing sequence, of course, was not shot as an egg morphing sequence at all. It was shot as they were being broken down for digestive matter. So like, it's really hard to know exactly what the alien was doing and why. And um, just to go back to a point that came up in the very beginning, like I would have loved to have seen the alien potentially become more godlike in a sequel, where it is not, you know, treated as this kind of like, you know, vast network of insectoid intelligences, but it's something, again, more inscrutable than that, where it operates in a way that's even less relatable to things that we recognize, more like a jellyfish or something like that, where it's really hard to tell exactly what's going on. So I just wanted to kind of put that in there. And then I, now I want to return to the conversation that we were in the middle of and uh, to thank you for allowing me to slip that in the conversation. To that point, though, Patrick, I think that's a great point, because on this planet, we know why spiders exist. We know the symbiotic relationship between mushrooms and and trees and how they speak to each other underground and the network and um, how ants play into that and how everything plays into that. 
I think what makes the alien scary is it is not a terrestrial creature. So we don't know what its role is in the greater cosmos. What is its role? We don't know. What's it doing on that ship? What's its means? What's its end? We don't know because we only know terrestrial born creatures. So because we don't know, it makes it even more terrifying way more terrifying. I'm going to push back a little bit about the alien breaking down uh, Dallas and Brett into digestive matter. It's clearly an egg. It clearly looks like an egg. Something's happening. I'm not, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know for sure. We don't have any definitive. I mean, I don't know if Ridley Scott is still maybe. Yeah. About no, that's what Ridley Scott said about it. Maybe really? the egg okay. is digesting them though. Could you know? be <laughs> like they're being fed to the egg and how, and to your point about it being ghostly and inscrutable, how the fuck did it, did it bring Brett up to the ceiling? That's like, that's one of those weird. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Love it. It's just very weird. It's got wings, but yeah, I mean, but still though, I, I, I think what makes this creature terribly frightening is that we don't know what it's doing. And I don't think we should know. And I think to harp, not to harp on what Cameron did, because we all love that movie. We all know it's a masterpiece and because we love it, we can critique it a little bit. Um, it did kind of make it more relatable, but that's also Cameron's MO. If you look at fucking Avatar, you're on this other planet with these race of aliens that act like tribal people from Earth. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. They're not alien at all, except for in their appearance. Cameron's only idea for space aliens to what's the most alien to him seemed like indigenous culture for whatever reason. At least that's how it plays off to me. It comes off very somewhat offensive, actually. Anyways, I don't want to get on a soapbox with that, but I... I I hope in the future we know less and less about this creature. I want them to pull back on our knowledge of it. I don't want to know any more about it. I don't want to know who's working on it. I don't hopefully that you know I stay away from David creating the alien, which I don't obviously I think that it's kind of established at this point that he hasn't. He was just messing around with essentially the tools that were already there that were already in place but the less I know about this creature, the more it's going to scare me. Well, that's the thing and it's the na- namesake of our show here and it's like ash lays it out and this is the thing that has informed all the other movies about it being a perfect organism that it like we we then always understand the alien in relation to like the humans who want something from it or whatever and like ash seems to know more than anyone he's the one who's like you don't know what you're dealing with this is a perfect organism and then you know of course we get that callback, you know, your mileage may vary how much you enjoyed that in Covenant. Its purpose or whatever, I think in the most basic terms, I think like the thing that they thought would be the scariest is just like an apex predator or whatever. But that's not, there's more to it than that, of course, just based on what we're shown in the movie. It does, it does things that aren't just, we're not watching National Geographic and it's like, and now it's gathering the food and it's taking it back to its thing. It's like, there is the mystery there. It's interesting. You know, you do wonder, and I guess that's, a further answer to our question before about how much how much was known how much did ash know because he is he you know he's uh he seems to know seems to know more i have confirmed that he's got an outer layer of protein polysaccharides has a funny habit of shedding his cells and replacing them with polarized silicon which gives him a prolonged resistance to adverse environmental conditions said nothing that's funny what does it mean I think the the any future movie or any possible alternative, you know, has to have. But I think again, the 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 strength in these films is not so much us knowing about the alien. It's about 
identifying with the people who don't know what the fuck this thing is and watching them trying to figure it out, right? And going along with them on their journey of like, yeah, what is this thing? It's because the unknown, like we've said, the unknown is the scariest thing, right? So the less we know and the more we see the people not knowing and reacting is what pulls us in because we're them, right? And the 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 more you try to like relate the two together, it, it just becomes this mishmash of like, who can I identify with? I don't identify with any of these people. They're stupid, right? It goes into all these territories when it just needs to be that base what is this thing? And what is this person here who has no clue? What are they doing? Or what's his MO? Or what's, you know, what is this person thinking? I just think it's, it needs to ask those questions that will get us talking about it again for, you know, years to come. I think it just needs to go back to that in an interesting new way. But in that same, that's what that's what a good alien film has. I would love something similar to the lighthouse scene at the end of Annihilation for the alien. I would love that sense of absolute mindfuck and I'm seeing something and it, and it's, I don't know what it is, but it's so scary. You know, I would love that. And that, and that's once I saw Annihilation, I realized how ill served I was by the two prequels that Ridley Scott did that just felt so pedestrian and grounded, even when they were beautiful it just it didn't have that wonder so uh, yes that's what i was about to say which is the wonder uh, this is what i hope like romulus can touch on because it seems like the i don't know you guys tell me if you're getting the same vibe but it feels like it's like th this is going to be where like whatever the devil's in the details it's how fede alvarez chooses to depict it and how he wants to 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 feed it to us or whatever but the it feels like it's being set up as like a great thriller he's like i'm gonna put these chess pieces here and it's gonna be these people it's gonna be a ship and it's like he's has the ingredients for like an exciting alien film but like patrick jamie and christian have been doing i don't know if it's concluded you guys tell me the like the lovecraft miniseries and how and we talk about how aliens kind of like the ultimate Lovecraft movie and Lovecraft's like two chief emotions or feelings that he would always try to impart or whatever. And he intertwined perfectly were fear and wonder. And like that has been largely absent from all the movies. So if Fede can like put that in there, then that's that's what we want. Am I right? You are not right. absent at all from Annihilation. That's Thanks. for sure. That's a, a great film. And I, I want to say, I think we need to wrap because it's it's getting very late and uh, many of us have to get up super early in the morning. But this conversation obviously went longer than it uh, was planned on going and probably could go twice as long because I have so much more stuff that I also want to say. So we are going to come back, you know, blazing in 2024 with the rest of this conversation with the Alien 3 conversation. Christian, you teed us up really well for that by bringing up the UPP. That, you know, brings this entire other question about, you know, who else is out there? Like, what what if if we have the thesis with the company who's the antithesis, right? Um, which I think will be a great conversation to explore how that could have gone differently had Gibson's film been made or film Films been made, etc. A lot more to talk about. And to be fair, if we're going to, you know, treat Ridley's word as fact, if we're going to say that the people at the end of Alien were being digested, we should also say that the space jockey was, you know, directly causally related to the events in Alien Covenant, and that David did create the creature. Again, I think 
for the benefit of the films and the benefit of all of us, that's not what happened. And the film is left open enough for that not to be the case. Just like the egg morphing sequence in the director's cut is also very you know unclear and it could kind of be whatever. I think a lot of the time, the inscrutability of the creature in the first film, of course, often is because they couldn't film the suit properly. So they had to do impossible things with it. We have benefited a lot from holes being left in things. And <laughs> I want to just call that out as one of the beautiful aspects of this film and of this franchise, which is that we have injected so much of our subjective selves to it. And that I think ultimately speaks so much to why it's successful because it invites us to, regardless of the holes in the plot and regardless of the strange filmmaking decisions and regardless of, you know, questionable choices on the part of the filmmakers, we come back to it over and over again because we feel called to it. Like they felt called to that beacon on the surface of LB426. Uh, we are drawn towards it like a current uh, going home. And I think that, you know, as we close out what has been an amazing year, I mean, this was the year we did our first film. We have another film coming out next year that Christian has been hard, e extremely hard at work on in collaboration with others here and elsewhere. Uh, you know, that's going to be an amazing day. We have a lot planned for Alien Day. We have a new film coming out next year, which is fucking crazy to say out loud, but it's true. We are, and of course, the 10 year anniversary of isolation, which has been all over the chat thread on the side of the conversation tonight, because it is something that is very much in our minds. We have so much to look forward to, but also so much to look back on with gratitude and joy and really true appreciation for a hell of a year in alien fandom and a hell of a year with all of you listening wherever you are around the world. I mean, we see the the um, you know, the data from from where you're listening to this because we're spying on you and because you know, we get that uh from our pod hosting platform and you really are all over the planet. You know, and I feel like that is an amazing gift that is not lost on any of us here at Perfect Organism um that we get to reach people all over the world and be part of this truly global family of alien fandom. So, wherever you are, wherever you're hearing this, whatever you're going through, and whatever you're feeling, know that you are not alone. We're in this together, and we are very grateful to be on the ship with all of you out there. And happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everyone. We won't probably see you. If there's some stuff that drops with Romulus, we'll probably do a brief update here and there, depending on what it is. We are who we are because you guys listen to us and have supported us and the show for many, many years. And uh, this show is not one person or three people. It's all of us doing what we do. And I could not be happier. Uh, and more proud of what we've done so thank you guys thanks everybody happy new year thanks thanks so much love happy you guys new year see you in the new, new year, year. to find out more information about perfect organism the alien saga podcast please go to www perfectorganism.com If you would like to support the show please go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support Thank you <laughs>